Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFira, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Uh, you know, uh, just hanging out honestly you know just have those days where on my Wednesdays I really don't have a lot of classes so I had a ch- nice chill day tomorrow's my last day of classes and then it's finals week so uh very exciting we had a pretty exciting day pretty full day as well of games in the MLB you got uh Miggy Cabrera doing Miggy Cabrera type things today you have Slam Diego returning to the baseball world, the one thing we all needed this year sorely. Uh, Brent, you want to into it? Not a Padres podcast, though. No, no, no. No. It uh, may be San yeah. Diego Day, but it's not a Padres podcast. Let's get right into it. Um, I'll start with the Tigers and the Royals. The Royals scored two in the top of the first on a Salvi Perez double and then an Andrew Benintendi sack fly. Bottom of the third, Miguel Cabrera would tie it up on a single to make it uh, two or two to two. Bottom fifth, Jamer Candelario hits a double to make it three to two Tigers. Then Cabrera singles to make it four to two. That's your final. The Tigers win. 
Give the win to Casey Mize, now two and three on the year. Six innings, three hits, two runs, four Ks for him. The loss goes to Danny Duffy, now four and three on the year. Six innings, seven hits, four runs, eight Ks. A Gregory Soto picks up his fourth save of the year for the Tigers. LJ, the Royals have lost 10 in a row. They're three and 12 in their last 15. Uh, Again, yeah. We talk about this every night, but it just seems like it's it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, They've lost 10 straight. We were talking about it. I don't want to sound like a broken record, so I'll be short here with the fact that if you've missed a couple weeks, when they were at the top of the division, their numbers certainly did not indicate that they should be at the top of the division. They indicated they should be just about 500 or a little below 500. So we were all expecting, I was expecting a slow descent from where they were to about where we a little bit higher than what we expected them to be going into the season. However, this went from slow descent towards the mean to complete disaster mode, rapidly decreasing their own mean. Yeah, and it's tough to see our guy, Dan the Man Duffy, you know, getting kind of rocked up here a little bit Mm. by a very bad Tigers offense. You know, those are going to happen sometimes. Um, More importantly, can we talk about how he has, is that correct there? He has three losses on the year? Three losses and with a 1.94 ERA. This offense is just rough. Man. The offense across the entire league is rough, LJ. They're, the the league strikeout percentage is at 25%. That's equivalent to what Nolan Ryan did across his whole career. Like, Nolan Ryan and Bob Gibson both had strikeout percentages at 25%, and that's the league average this year. It's um, an epidemic. It's a strikeout ep- epidemic. Strikeouts are an epidemic, but... Is it bad that I'm genuinely enjoying this year? I feel like more than most full seasons. I no, mean, not at all. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I think this is a healthy or the pit, poor pitch selection from batters is not healthy. However, I think we're also seeing a renaissance of pitchers just doing things that batters just cannot keep up with. And I have enjoyed the hell out of watching that. And really cannot um, can't wait to keep seeing it happen. I look forward to seeing great Matt uh, Danny Duffy starts. Matt Duffy, Matt Duffy. Um, oh, it's Matt Duffy. Yeah, thank you. Um, I I look forward to seeing the next guy we uh, talk about here. Hinjin Ryu throwing great games. Garrett Cole for even throwing great games. I like seeing these gems. I don't have mind it. It's just, it, it really stinks when you've got guys like Trevor Bauer and Danny Duffy that aren't going to get the respect that they deserve from some metrics because of the run support that they have. Um, we're, we have their their team's like, run support's actively working against them. Yeah, and like, thank God we have things like ERA plus and, you know, all these expected stats that can show us that guys like Danny Duffy and, and Trevor Bauer should be getting much more validation for their seasons. All right, next up, we've got the Blue Jays and the Braves. In the bottom of the fifth, William Contreras hit a solo piece, but that's all Atlanta could muster off of Hinjin Ryu and this Jays bullpen. Teoscar Hernandez homered twice in this game for Toronto. 
The Blue Jays get their fifth win in five games against Atlanta, winning 4-1. to one. Give the win to Hyun Jin Ryu. He went seven innings, allowing one earned run and six strikeouts. The loss will go to Luke Jackson. Max Freed went six innings of one earned run ball. And the save will be given to Toronto's A.J. Cole. Today we have Ross Stripling versus Charlie Morton. Honestly, it seems like Toronto just is Atlanta's kryptonite this year. Which Yeah, this is their second time playing them, right? Yeah. Owen, Atlanta is 0-5 against Toronto this year. Tough. That that that's that's a really tough blow, and especially seeing that they play them at least once this year. Am I crazy in saying that? Uh, I would not. It's not only two series, is it? I would have to assume it's only two series. Um, but these are both teams that me and you said, you know, can't really be be a losing games out of their divisions, Mm -hmm. especially the Braves. But I mean, even even the the Blue Jays this year, because we knew that there was going to be four competitive teams in the AL East. Oh yeah, neither neither of them can lose that. Brandon, I have to ask your thoughts on this. Maybe it's just me enjoying. I I, I yeah, it is. I enjoyed the amount of games played against certain teams in 2020. Would you be opposed to seeing a world where the in, uh, interleague games were played less out of region? Um, so, like, the way that they used to have it, like, up until when the Astros switched over to the AL, I mean, there was only, like, a two-week period throughout the season where there was any interleague games. No, no, I, I mean, like, maybe playing, like, four series against the, your region in the opposite league and then playing less in the Central and the West. I mean, realistically, I I think that overall will build better rivalries between the leagues. It will decrease travel expenses for the teams. They always love that. And, yeah, I I struggle to see a real issue with it other than the fact that you're not going to, of course, play as many teams different times. But that also makes things a little more special when you do. I mean, I remember being a big deal – Brandon, for some reason, I'm not sure how the scheduling worked this way, but there was like an eight year, eight or 10 year stretch where the Red Sox didn't go to Arizona. Really? Yeah. Um, And then they finally went there. This was like four years ago, four or five years ago. And like they made quite an event about it. The MLB um, certainly give them plenty of plenty to talk about during that series. But yeah, so I mean, it certainly makes those series more memorable more special when a guy may only go if a guy plays for the Red Sox his entire career he may only go to San Diego twice in his MLB career like that just makes it very that that makes it kind of interesting to me yeah uh that would be cool I, I I thought that the 2020 season I'll just make this quick the 2020 season with with the scheduling um, they should have just gave out like three MVPs, like one for the East, mm. one for the Central, and one for the West, because it's not like that there was any sort of overlap, right? It was no. every single game was against your East region, every single game was against the Central region if you were in the Central. So it just felt like it made sense to kind of split the league three ways there, because that's how they did with the, with the schedule, you know. Well, I'll give you one better, Brandon. 
How many teams were in last year? Uh, there was 16 teams in. 16 teams. And there were three divisions. That doesn't help. It was top two in each division plus two wild cards in each league. Okay, so I guess what I'm saying here is, was there a way that they could have just completely turned the World Series competition, like the bracket, on its head for the year? I mean, enough things were screwed up. I feel like it might have been a missed opportunity to do something where, like, you had to come out of your region overall or, like, yeah, so like you play, you play through till there's one play, one team from the east, one team from the central, one team from the west, and they do like a round robin, um, series, world series of some sort. I don't know. I maybe I'm just making my, I'm making life too complicated here, but I think something like that could have been cool and can be discussed at a later date when we have less to talk about. We've got quite a bit to go on to today. Especially, yeah, because we've been we've been tabling this one for a while. A talk, just probably it's going to end up being multiple talks of how we would fix or how we think we could make more fun ideas for the league. Yeah, but let's get into this Mariners Dodgers game. This was a pretty decided win for Los Angeles here. Matt Beatty, the RBI man, drove in three as the Dodgers outhit the Mariners eleven to two and win seven to one. Give the win to Julio Urias. He went seven innings, allowing two hits, one earned run, and six strikeouts. The loss will go to Justin Dunn. He went three and a third of an inning, allowing two earned runs. The Mariners start a series against the Indians today. All right, the Yankees and the Rays. This was a pitcher's duel the entire way with Ryan Yarbrough getting the bulk innings work for the Rays, and, and Garrett Cole got the start for the Yankees. Both teams worked scoreless innings through the first six. First six. Then Aaron Hicks would hit a sack fly for the Yankees in the top of the seventh, the only run of the game. The Yankees win 1-0. Final game time, two hours and 36 minutes. Uh, very appeasing to Rob Manfred tonight. Uh, the win to Garrett Cole, now 5-1 and one on the year. Eight innings, four hits, no runs, no walks, and 12 strikeouts. I will be talking about him on the PPP later. The loss goes to uh, Ryan Thompson out of the Rays bullpen. The save to a roll is Chapman, his ninth save of the year, still yet to allow an earned run. The Yankees have won four in a row and are 11-4 and four in their last 15. Today's matchup is Jamison Tyone taking on Rich Hill in the series finale. All right. Next, we have the Reds and the Pirates. The score was tied 1-1 to going into the 10th. And Brandon, apparently Dwayne Underwood Jr. didn't pay attention to what Brad Boxberger did two nights ago, and particularly the fact that it didn't work. He allowed Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez to combine and to drive in four runs that inning. Cincy beats Pittsburgh 5-1. to Give the win to Lucas Sims. Sonny Gray went four and two-thirds of an inning, allowing one earned run and five strikeouts. The loss will go to Dwayne Underwood Jr. Uh, Trevor Cahill, the starter for Pittsburgh, went five and a third of an inning, allowing one earned run. Pittsburgh will start a series against San Fran while Cincinnati travels to Colorado. 
And if I'm correct, um, oh yeah, you. No. Uh, do you want me to take a game or you want to double? No, 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 I'm good. I was just trying to think about the fact that, yeah, uh, Cincinnati has now won nine out of their last 10 games in Pittsburgh at PNC Park. Yep, that's right. We were talking about that yesterday. Just trying to do the, trying to do the math here. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the expert mathematician over here like the finance man, Brandon Karam. Um, but, uh, yeah, next up we've got the Padres-Rockies doubleheader here in Brandon. Slam Diego has returned in the sixth inning, tied 1-1. Victor Caratini blasts a grand slam, 401 feet to right field. The Padres take game one, 5-3. Uh, Brandon, you said you weren't, weren't too impressed with this, but what more did you need to see? Did he need to do like backflips around the bases as he went around just at practically asking to get hit the next time he came up. I mean, 401 to right. It wasn't three guys on the bases, four runs on one swing. What more could you ask for? Okay. It wasn't so much the fact that it wasn't a big hit because obviously it was. It wins them the game, you know, in a seven inning doubleheader and you're tied one one there, come through with the big hit. It's you wanted to put the Padres and the Rockies. Because it's Slam Diego. At the top of the show. Yes, I understand that it's Slam Diego, and it's very exciting. But we're not a Padres podcast. We're not a Padres podcast. And as you're going to talk about in the second game, it really didn't go the best for them today. No, it didn't go the best for them. But something went went pretty well for every MLB fan today with the Slam Diego call being back. Uh, give the win to Emilio Pagan. You Darvish went four innings with zero earned runs. Brandon, only 76 pitches. I'm not sure if you watched this, any, caught any of this game. I didn't. But unless something really didn't feel right, he didn't like feel his best today. That seems a little shocking. Of course, this is just a long line of, uh, in my opinion, managers playing the doubleheaders wrong. But that's just one man's opinion. He should have stayed out at least another inning. Give the loss to John Gray. He went five and two-thirds of an inning, allowing one earned run and six strikeouts. The save goes to Mark Melanson, his 12th on the year. Now over to game two, after a Josh Fuentes two-run piece early in the game, it took a Victor Caratini RBI single to tie the game in the seventh. Fuentes drove another run in during the eighth, and that sealed the game. Colorado wins this one in extras three to two. Give the win to Yancy Almonte and the loss to Nick Ramirez. All right. On to the Cubs and the Indians. This game would be scoreless until the sixth inning when Jock Peterson doubled, scoring a run for the Cubs. Bottom of the sixth, Ahmed Rosario doubled for the Indians to tie it up at one. This game would go to extras tied at one. The Cubs failed to do anything in the top of the 10th. And then in the bottom of the 10th, Ahmed Rosario with a walk-off single to win it 2-1 to one for the Indians. You can give the win to James Karinchak, uh, picks up his first win on the year. Uh, Sam Hentges was the starter for Cleveland, four and two-thirds, four hits and no runs allowed for him. Keegan Thompson gets the loss out of the Cubs' bullpen. Zach Davies got the start for Chicago, five and a third, six hits, 
one run in four Ks. The Indians sweep the Cubs and are 12 and three in their last 15. That's the best mark in the MLB. Chicago gets the day off today while Cleveland travels to Seattle. Zach Plezak faces Chris Flexen. Chris Flexen. The A's and the Red Sox, Brandon. In the first, the Red Sox squandered possibly the best scoring opportunity they'll have all year. Brandon, bases loaded, zero outs. Bogarts, Devers, Vasquez up to the plate. One run. Tough. I don't have I don't have words to understand for you to understand how angry I was through that entire inning, starting right with Marwin Gonzalez not being able to make it home on a pretty clear line drive single to center field from second base somehow can only get one base out of it. It was just, you know, it was emblematic of their day as the pitching and lineup shot themselves in the foot every chance they got. The A's win four to one. Give the win to James Caprillion, his first major league win. He went five innings long, one earned run and six strikeouts. The loss will go to Eduardo Rodriguez. He went six innings allowing four earned runs and nine strikeouts. The save will be given to Jake Dykeman, his fifth. The A's are now the first team in the majors to 23 wins. Next is Sean Manaya and Garrett Richards. And now I've got the Phillies and the Nationals for you. The Nats worked themselves out to a 2-1 to lead, only for Adubel Herrera to hit a solo piece in the ninth, giving Philly the opportunity to score three in the 10th inning. The Phillies win 5-2. to Give the win to Jose Alvarado the loss to Brad Hand, the save to Hector Neris. The Nats get to try again with Patrick Corbin taking on Zach Eflin. All right, on to the Angels and the Astros. Houston scored three in the bottom of the first on Jose Altuve and Yuli Gurriel home runs. Bottom of the sixth, Kyle Tucker home run to make it 5-0 Houston. Jordan Alvarez and Chaz McCormick padded the stats with home runs of their own, and the Astros route the Angels 9-1. to Give the win to Brandon Bielak, now 2-2 two and two on the year. He goes 3 and a third, allowing two hits, one run in relief. The loss to Andrew Heaney, 1-3 and three on the year now. 5 and a third, 9 hits, 5 runs, and 5 Ks. Houston hosts the Rangers today. Mike Fultonavich takes on Christian Javier. The Angels have the day off. All right, now we got the Marlins and the D-backs. Jesus Aguilar and Sandy Leon both go yard in this game to score three runs for Miami. Arizona got two on the board, but they fall three to two. Give the win to Cody Poteet. Five innings, two earned runs, and six strikeouts in his major league debut. Another great piece for them to be adding in Miami if he can keep uh, more starts like this coming early on in his career he's only got more time to grow give the loss to matt peacock he went five innings allowing two earned runs the save will go to yimmy garcia all right on to the twins and the white Sox. top of the first nelson cruz goes yard but the white Sox respond in the bottom of the first and bottom of the second with triples from jose abreu and billy hamilton and a single from your mean Mercedes. The White Sox led four to one after two innings. 
In the fourth and fifth, the White Sox would continue with their hot bats. They got home runs from Andrew Vaughn and Yasmani Grandal. They go on to win 13 to eight. The win to Dallas Keuchel, five and two thirds, eight hits, six runs, and one K. Ugly line, but hey, he gets the win. Uh, the loss to Jay Happ, even a worse line, three and a third, nine hits, nine runs, and three Ks. The White Sox have won five in a row and 11 of their last 15. Series finale today features Michael Pineda taking on Lance Lynn. All right, now I got the Cardinals and the Brewers. After being a major contributor in last night's win, Tyler O'Neill homers again for St. Louis. This time, however, it was Milwaukee scoring three runs in the eighth inning to put the game away four to one. Give the win to Devin Williams, who went a third of an inning and had one highway robbery, robbing Brandon Woodruff of this win. Brandon Woodruff went seven and two thirds of an inning, allowing one earned run and 10 strikeouts. He was almost there. The loss will be given to Ryan Helsley. John Gant went five innings, allowing one run. And Josh Hader gets that save, his eighth on the year. Brandon, did we ever talk about his strikeout record from a week or so ago? I don't believe so. No, I didn't see anything about a record for him. Yeah, he was the fastest player to 400 career strikeouts. Wow, that is impressive. I believe it was, it was either 400 or 200. Either way, that is a crazy number when you consider the fact that this man is a reliever. It was 400. He was the fastest man to 400 uh, career strikeouts. In terms Brandon, of innings, I'm assuming? I believe, yes, I believe so. Wow. Four games. But um, but regardless, you've got starters going out there consistently going five, six with far more opportunity to go out there and strike out batters. But then you've got this guy who has been an absolutely dominant strikeout pitcher his entire time he's been in the league. I mean, Brandon – his worst year in terms of strikeouts was his rookie year where he was having 12.8 strikeouts per nine. That, that's, that's his down year. Yeah. That's, that's a terrible, that's a awful know, down year. I would hate to have 12.8 strikeouts per nine. That's. It's, it's, it's a, it's a really rough scene, Brandon. You can't, you can't sugarcoat that. All right. Now we got the Orioles and the Mets certainly saved a very important game for last year. Uh, today was Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight's first game back at City Field since he was DFA'd by the organization several years ago. The Mets fans gave him two standing ovations to, that yesterday for very different reasons. The first was for his tremendous contribution to the organization. The second was when he was pulled from the game after the Mets got seven runs off of him. The Mets win this one seven to one. Give the win to Tehuan Walker. He went seven innings, allowing one earned run. The loss was given to Matt Harvey. He went four and a third of an inning, allowing seven earned runs. Brandon, I believe it's time for the PPP and I have a very good chunk of guys here. So do you want me to just keep on going through? 
Uh, it, it looks like you have like five things. So you can take three and then I'll do my little segment and you can take the last two. You just want to break me up from the longest monologue in show history. Is what you <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Absolute sabotage over here. All right. My first one, uh, particular players people should care about. It's not a player. This, these are fan bases here. I'm giving my spotlight to the Red Sox and the Mets fans for just being genuinely good fans, respectful fans that are lo- that love their team's history and their team's players. This was two rather significant uh, returns to this week, and particularly in these past series. The first one was Mitch Moreland's return to Fenway Park after being traded at the deadline last year. Got huge applause, huge ovations. Uh, for a guy who was one of the more underrated contributors in that 2018 run, but meant even more to the organization after that, as he was the one guy that kind of rallied the troops and um, stuck himself out there and played his best ball when the team counted on it. Uh, Brandon, yeah, 209 OPS plus with Boston last year before they traded him and then the year before was a second to career high of 112 OPS plus and he had I remember he had a stretch in that year where he basically walked off three games won three games in a row on his own purely because it was at that point in April where they were just absolutely desperate for any form of win or any form of momentum and this guy gave it to him there's no real way to quantify his impact on the team over the past couple of years, and they certainly thanked him for it. Uh, next, we had Matt Harvey, who, of course, Brandon, he gave up, all, you can agree, he gave up a lot in that 2015 run with the Mets. He sacrificed a lot of himself to get them as far as they went. Yeah, I mean... And- in that World Series, he really put it all on the line. He wanted to go back out there to finish a complete game in the World Series. So, yeah, I mean, he was just he was he was lights out almost all year. He was their guy for so long, and then all of a sudden, it just it wasn't there for him. He wasn't the same pitcher, and you know that happens. I mean, you're gonna he falls off after that season. Uh, three tremendous seasons with the Mets and then the 2016 year was just not good. The 2017 year even worse. And that's what really gets him designated for assignment in 2018. And since what then he's been bouncing around. So I've seen quite a bit of bad blood uh, or at least bad sentiment about Matt Harvey with by Mets fans that I've known, which doesn't seem fair to me. I mean, it doesn't seem fair. I mean, I'm assuming it doesn't seem fair to you either, Brandon, because this guy did a lot for this organization when he was good, but all of a sudden it turns into a, what have you done for me lately? Just because his ending years were not nearly as good as his first years. It's almost like his first years have no value to these people. He didn't leave the Mets on like bad terms, right? It was just, he just, eh, like kind Um, of. Yeah, it was a, um, well, first off, Fan, ba- fan base was frustrated as they should be with um, poor performance, yeah. but there was also all of that controversy over him not wanting to go to the bullpen, 
them wanting oh, to put him in the yeah, bullpen, yeah. and it just kind of became a thing there. So I was I was hesitant to see how City Field would respond to Matt Harvey returning, and it was absolutely fantastic to see the video of them cheering for him. It was one of the best ones I've seen in a while as far as returns go. Uh, just to have have them give him the respect that he deserves, especially after we've seen this year uh, organizations, not organizations, but fan bases be disrespectful towards players that served a lot of years for them. Even if half their years weren't productive, but the others were, they deserve the respect of at least being there and at least trying. It isn't like it's, uh, I don't know, I'm just using a Red Sox example, Pablo Sandoval, who came in and you could tell genuinely could care less about the team, about the city, about his play, and was also playing bad. But then you see guys that clearly care about the game and their team, like uh, Rufnet Odor, Albert Pujols, that get absolutely massacred by the fan base as soon as they're gone, as, as if it's good riddance that they're no longer with the team. It's just, I was hoping I didn't see that, and I was really glad that I didn't. Yeah, I mean, how about the Mets, LJ? They've won seven in a row now. So Matt Harvey can say that he helped out his old team uh, on this one. One last time. Um, yeah, so who do we got next? Next up, we have Jesus Aguilar. Brandon, this is what I was holding my excitement in for during the game recap earlier because he finishes off the bingo, bango Yahtzee today. Three home runs three straight games once again i mean brandon he went i think it was he finished at six for seven mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about Axonix therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control, it gave me my life back. Axonix therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Earlier this year, uh, six home runs in seven games, wow. and he's back at it again. I mean, Brandon, uh, today he'll be going for, of course, four straight. But again, if he can, as long as he gets it in the next two days, that's either a four for four, five for five, or four for five. I, I you can't you can't argue with homering, home running, that much over a short period of time. No, and. This is a guy who 
I talked about just a couple of days ago isn't striking out as much as like pretty much most of the power hitters are in the league. He's got his strikeout numbers way down this year. He just seems locked in. I mean, he's been absolutely crushing the ball this year. And he also draws walks at a pretty good rate. This is a guy who can legitimately compete for one of the best OPSs in the league this year, I think. Mm. Absolutely. Um, also in that same vein, Tyler O'Neill is now two thirds of the way to a bingo banco Yahtzee with his back-to-back homers on back-to-back nights. First one being in that 10th inning or 11th inning blow up by Brad Boxberger two nights ago. And then last night, of course, with that seventh inning homer or eighth inning home run that he had. Next up for me, I've got Sonny. Or did you want to go now? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll take mine and then you can take the last two. Uh, my one is, is Garrett Cole. Uh, eight innings, 12 strikeouts tonight. Absolutely shut down the Rays. They couldn't really do anything off of him. They had a ground rule double off of the stupidest rule in baseball, and that is the catwalks at Tropicana <laughs> Field. I mean... How does it, it not is- add to the charm for you, Brandon? It is just a very catchable ball at any other stadium, but instead this routine fly ball just happens to turn into a ground rule double. There's, it's just like it's turned into its own game within the game. Oh, which catwalk can I hit? So I, which, you know, it's, it's, it's a game within the game. It's, it's so dumb that they would ever think that a building, a fully domed baseball stadium would be smart. Like, yes, I understand it's Florida and it rains a lot in Tampa, but the Marlins have a stadium and it has a retractable roof. How many other teams do we see with a retractable roof? And, well, Brandon, if I may interrupt uh, you there. It's, it's terrible. And that's not even my point here, but yeah. You can I, th- I think it, I think it's irrelevant whether it's domed or whether it's always closed because being able to like consistently air condition in there is nice. I will say. Yeah. Um, it's a very comfortable spot to watch a game, in my opinion. The issue isn't it being a domed roof. The issue is who the heck thought it was fine to make the ceiling that low? Yeah, like, like you have relatively unlimited means here. I mean, I, I guess you're constricted somewhat by your team's money, but this is a startup franchise. This is their first stadium. The tra- Trop is. Funded by the city, like funded by the city. It's funded by the ba- city, right? Yeah, and I'm assuming the city gave them the land too. Yeah. So they probably had their choice of, to an extent, their choice of spots to do it. So why on earth did it, the budget ever just decide to get skimped in the building the roof high enough to sustain um, most fly balls department? I mean. Maybe, I guess, if it's like an air traffic control issue, but why wouldn't you put the stadium somewhere else if you couldn't build it your stadium high enough? That of an issue. Like, there's no way. There's, there's skyscrapers that are way taller than baseball stadiums. Like, yeah, there's, there's, there's skyscrapers ba- taller than baseball stadiums, but they're not, they, they might not be in flight paths. Mm. But I, again, do have no clue as, as to the aerial traffic of Florida. That's just pure speculation. The only thing I would like to say is why haven't they exactly just 
officially made it kind of a game within the game, the, the Rays themselves. I mean, don't take it so seriously. You're even going to help out the umpires. Why don't we color coat the, the catwalks? Just paint the bo- bottoms of the catwalks different colors representing what they mean. If you hit it, there should be like an air horn or something that goes off. Like Spin wheels start coming out with fireworks spinning on them from the dugouts. Well, my my entire point here with with Garrett Cole, he was so dominant tonight that that was really the only hit that they got off of him. Uh, He did allow a couple other weak singles and then one one double off the wall. But after tonight's game... It wasn't the only hit they got off of him. No, I said that there was a couple of other weak hits. Um, yeah, after tonight's game, he's on pace for 321 strikeouts and 12 walks, uh, which is just insane to be a month and a half into the season and still be on this pace. Uh, per Katie Sharp on Twitter, he's the first pitcher in MLB history with at least 70 strikeouts and lower than three walks in his first eight games of the year. Also, one more stat. LJ, you, if you... Remember the Corbin Burns stat we were talking about how to start a season, the record for most strikeouts with no walks was Kenley Jansen in 2017 with 57. Uh, since I want to say Garrett Cole's second game or third games, counting that game, he has struck out 56 batters in a row without allowing a walk. And the all-time record is some. It's held by Kurt Schilling. I'm not sure the exact number, but it's higher than 57. But just this guy is so much fun to watch pitch. Yeah. Now, Brandon, I'm assuming Corbin Burns' record is still active when he comes back from the IL, right? Yeah, I believe he's at high 40s for strike. No, he's at like 52. Okay. Yeah, that would that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I have actually no basis on that. I'm going to check right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I certainly think there's no reason it should. I mean, hit streaks count through the IL, so it shouldn't. It should. No, you're right. It was 49. 49. But but legitimately, at the rate he was going, with the exception of that last start wasn't ideal, even still, he's got a 15 strikeouts per nine pace. He should break the record once he – uh, in his first start back. Assuming he doesn't um, walk anyone yet. I know. Well, yes. But, I mean, in, in theory, if he were to continue playing the way he had. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up I've got Sonny Gray, which is, has a very interesting stat. He gave up seven hits today. Brandon, this breaks his his streak he had going, where he had gone 48 consecutive starts without allowing six or more hits. Wow. This is, again, somebody who he had a pretty successful start to his career, and then really, Brandon, you can speak to this, kind of struggled when he went to New York. And that really threw him off. But since he's been to Cincinnati, it's been lights out. He's been a very productive pitcher, and this is a big part of it, not allowing those hits, getting that whip down. Yeah, uh, Sonny Gray was a guy who, when the Yankees traded for him, I was certainly excited. Uh, did not 
pitch very well with the Yankees. Uh, that was also the Larry Rothschild era of the Yankees for our pitching coach. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of him. Obviously, the Yankees weren't because they fired him after the 2018 season, I want to say, or 2019 season. But then Sonny Gray goes to the, the Reds the after 2018, leaves the Yankees, goes to the Reds, makes the All-Star game. Probably would have been an All-Star if there was an All-Star game last year, which it, uh, gives me the, the idea that we should go through and see who the 2020 All-Stars would have been. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Sonny Gray, really fun pitcher to watch when he's on. Uh, had some really, really good years with Oakland and uh, sucks that he couldn't do, you know, everything that we wanted him to with the Yankees. But it's, yeah. it's whatever. So Sonny Gray has a 1.135 whip during his time in Cincinnati. In this time, this is the first time that he has allowed more than six hits in a game in the entirety of the time he has been a Cincinnati Red. That's great production. All right, my last one is probably arguably the more important thing from the Kansas City Royals uh, losing 10 straight, or at least it's very important to me as we see another great uh, player all time that's active in the league pass another milestone. With Miguel Cabrera's performance today, he passes Omar Vizcal, or Vizcal, um, to become the Venezuelan hit king. He now has the most hits among any Venezuelan-born major league player. Yeah, and this is a very deep uh, class when it comes to 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 players from uh, Venezuela. I mean, let me just pull up a list here because. There is so many greats that have been from uh, Venezuela. So, of course, Omar Vizquel, who is currently on the Hall of Fame ballot, I believe. Uh, guys like, hold on, let me see if I can find this here. I saw a list earlier. But uh, just names that come to mind, Jose Altuve, Luis Aparicio, uh, Bobby Abreu, uh, just so many guys who have been uh, such great players across their entire career uh, who just, you know, the fact that Cabrera is now the all-time hit king for uh, Venezuela players, the fact that he's still still going uh, is amazing to me. I mean, this yeah, is a Brandon. guy who has been just mashing really since, since the 2003. Yes, he's slowed down since like 2017, but he has one of the better stretches to start a career uh, that I can find. Through like oh, yeah, again, I mean, like him and Albert Pool, him, Albert Pujols, and Bryce Harper were probably of our early early memories. We always talk about the three deadliest hitters on the planet. Yeah, easily, absolutely mashing everything they could of course we all remember his was his triple crown was 2012 2012 and i still contend to this day that he should not have won mvp over trout that year and um, even though he won the triple crown yeah 
Wait, actually, can I hear that take? What's that? Full? Can we get that take in full? Uh, sure. Um, Cabrera wins triple crown, but that doesn't mean that you're the most valuable player in the league by any means. Um, Trout absolutely killed him when it comes to war that year. Uh, when it comes to on-base percentage, Trout beat him. Uh, he just trailed him in OPS, but he beat him in OPS+. Plus. Uh, yeah, Trout was – that was Trout's rookie season, and he put up 10.3 war in his – or 10.5 war in his rookie season. Well, I think you just answered your own question there, Brandon. I mean, I, I, I'm going to take – the side of uh, Miguel Cabrera. I don't really have a stake in this fight just for the sake of argument here. First off, it's a rookie. I'm not saying rookies can't or should have no chance of winning MVP. However, you don't nearly have the same name recognition as Miguel Cabrera if you're a rookie. And so overall, that you combine that with the fact that um, Miguel Cabrera was just so dominant in the way he went about uh, getting those three statistics and just overall the weight the triple crowns care in the game, which I think is great, especially seeing we've got, I think the best part about, or at least something that's interesting to me as I should, I'm probably better in saying right now is that even as we've moved away from more of the general stats, the normal stats towards all this advanced stuff, Brandon, you can agree to most people, just about everybody in baseball, everybody that talks baseball, the triple crown still holds a lot of weight in terms of its prestige. Oh, no, absolutely it does. Uh, like, I just, I again, I'm not saying that necessarily um, it shouldn't. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just a little surprised that more people don't hate on it because it uses batting average, because it uses RBIs. This is... This is a award that's more out of just overall straight production, hard execution, hardcore number than most people are tending to go for nowadays. And I just think that's really cool to see that still being a piece of one thing that we can all agree on regardless of generations. So the triple crowd is cool. Yeah. uh, One last thing that I wanted to say here. So Trout in that season – uh, he stole 49 bases, so he was a 30-40 member in his his rookie season. Also, in terms of just American League players, Miguel Cabrera ranked fifth for WAR that year. Now, I'm not just saying WAR is the ultimate factor, but it's just interesting to look at. It went Trout one, Robinson Cano two, Justin Verlander three, Adrian Beltre four. Miguel Cabrera, five. Interesting. So he wasn't even. Go ahead. So, so Miguel Cabrera wasn't even the best player by war on his team that year. Correct. Interesting. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When I deployed, I didn't realize that even the air I was breathing was dangerous. Since coming home, I've watched friends get sick and struggle to get the support they deserve. But now, that's finally changing. We're eligible for new VA health care and benefits based on when and where we served. Even though I feel okay, I'm going to apply. For my sake and for my family. Learn more and apply today. Visit va.gov PACT. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think the better, better question to be asking right now is, Brandon, is Miguel Cabrera now the rightful ruler of Venezuela? I mean, why not? I mean, honestly, if there's like, if there's revolution, can we get that put into the constitution of Venezuela that who, whosoever leads all time in MLB career hits shall have the power to rule over the state of Venezuela? I mean, he's probably their best athlete ever right like um that is a um take that i i I would agree with only because i have no clue who else is from venezuela venezuelan athletes um i'm I'm looking through a list here i do not see like a more well-known athlete at least to americans than panda johan santana okay Carlos, uh, he he raked for a few years. Yeah. Um, no, I'm genuinely not seeing anybody else I know on this. I've seen like Reese three. Vasquez, things. NBA. Wow, I forgot about him. Uh, shall we get on to the leaderboard? Yeah, this isn't very good. But yeah, no, um, certainly not good content there. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, no, I certainly think he has a claim for uh, leadership in the same way that, like, Putin fights bears for sport to show his strength. All right, leaderboards. Leaderboards. War hitters. Mike Trout in first, 2.5. Byron Buxton second, 2.4. Ronald Acuna Jr. rounds it out at 2.2. War for pitchers. Garrett Cole retakes the lead in a big way. He now leads all players with 2.8 war. Behind him is Jacob DeGrom at 2.3. John Means at 1.8. War for relievers. Matt Barnes and Aroldis Chapman tied for 1.1. And James Karinchak of the Cleveland Indians is third with 0.9. Home runs. Ronald Acuna Jr. leads with 11. And then we have... A four-way tie for second between Mitch Haniger, J.D. Martinez, Shohei Otani, and Jose Ramirez. They all have 10. And then there's quite a few guys tied with nine, including uh, your guy, Jesus Aguilar. Yes, sir. RBIs, J.D. Martinez leads with 32. And then Jose Abreu and Jesus Aguilar are tied with 31. Yes, sir. 
All right, Brandon, today is going to be a big, big day in baseball and a big day for the future of one organization. That organization is the Seattle Mariners. Today, after both being called up in the past several days, Jared Kleenex, Jared Kelnick, and uh, starting pitching prospect Logan Gilbert will both make their MLB debuts tonight. Brandon, are you excited? LJ, Jared Kelnick, Jared Kleenex. Jared, whatever you want to call him, Jared from Subway. Oh, actually, no, that's kind of bad. <laughs> Jared Kleenex is going to be a very fun prospect to watch. Number rank, Ranked number three in the league, I'm pretty sure. It's nice that Seattle is calling him up. Uh, and, of course, a Logan Gilbert. Could this guy be a future uh, top-of-the-rotation guy for Seattle? Uh We'll have to see. So, yeah, Seattle kind of, you know, making people watch them now. I mean, like, they have so many fun prospects that are on the come up as well that they're kind of becoming an exciting team. I don't try. I try my best not to get overhyped for prospects coming up with the exception of the Red Sox. Because, I mean, you know, Brandon, you've done it with the Yankees. Anytime, any form of semi notable prospect comes up to the major leagues there's some excitement around it even if they're just going to be a average everyday player or even a scrub even if they turn out to be a scrub it's there's still some excitement to that oh yeah glaber torres was like it, it, it was insane for Yankees. i mean I, I i remember the i remember the uh well honestly both of our the last major position player prospects to come up for the red sox have had incredible starts Michael Chavis went on an absolute tear when he came up and really changed the momentum on that 2019 team. And then Bobby Dahlbeck hit like five home runs in his first eight games or whatever. Uh, him and Ted Williams were like the only two people on that um, list for the Red Sox. Uh, so they certainly had their best time of it. But my point to the saying that is I cannot, I don't usually get this hyped up about just league wide prospects because overall, they don't get hyped as much as Jared Kleenex has. I mean, I'm trying to think the last time I got this excited to see a prospect come up, it was Ronald Acuna. And that was very deserved for him to uh, get this much hype. Wow. Now, Vladdy, you weren't excited for. I was, I, I was excited for Vladdy. I, I drafted Vladdy and held on to him on my team. However, it wasn't the same vibe as Acuna was it isn't the same vibe as it feels like for Jared Kleenex Brandon I I just I struggle to remember in recent time even among the top prospects in the league the all of the scout many of the scouting reports saying flat out this guy's gonna win at least one MVP yeah I mean this... and that's what I've been hearing about Jared Kleenex yeah I mean this is a guy who uh, you know, we should probably actually say his 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 real name yeah. at some point, Jared Kelnick. But a guy who, when you read scouting reports on him, he doesn't excel in any specific category. He's just good at everything. Like 
he's a good contact hitter. He can hit for power. He can hit for gap power. He's fast. He has a good arm. He doesn't like have an 80. So the way they that they grade prospects is on a 20 to 80 scale with, with 50 being average. He doesn't really have any tool that's over a 60, but he just has, he can do everything. Like all of his tools are between 50 and 60. Uh, and when you combine all that, it comes out to be a very good player overall. So He's going to be joining a Seattle outfield that in a couple of years could be very, very good. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm really excited for this guy. Again, I'm not trying to overhype this, get people's hopes up and get people overthinking this. I'm not trying to sell people and get ratings for this game. No one's paying me, I swear. However, the last thing I will say that kind of sounds like I'm hyping this game up is this. I think everyone who has the ability to should watch this game because you've got two very good prospects for a team that is obviously trending in the right direction. A team that people are picking. I've seen people pick the Seattle Mariners to be the winningest team in the AL West this decade. Wow. That's because they're that because they're that confident in the success of this rebuild, a rebuild that's not going to even be coming into fruition for another two years. At least. So you have two top-of-the-line guys from this prospect group coming up tonight. This could be the start. Again, it's Seattle, I know. You could be getting the chance to see the start of a legitimate Mariners run, a legitimate potential Mariners dynasty where they're going to string together a lot of good teams and this is going to be the official starting point. This is going to be the moment that you know this is on the way. Get ready for it. You're not going to want to miss this first game. Very well put there. Uh, well, we have one last thing that we want to talk about, and then uh, we can get out of here. Uh, LJ, kind of a guy that me and you talked about a little bit, but, of course, Atlanta Braves – starter Mike Soroka if you remember last year uh in 2020 he uh underwent Achilles surgery right was it like he took a weird step off the mound and just it kind of yeah he was um it was mid-pitch he was yeah he was throwing a pitch and blows out his Achilles has to have uh surgery last year and of course, has been fighting very hard to rehab. Um, of course, I think we're all pretty well used to the most common spot to see an Achilles injury is basketball, and that usually takes these guys a year and a half yeah, to get a back. Rare injury for baseball. Yeah, it's an incredibly yeah that's that's exactly it's an incredibly rare injury for baseball, and so that's why I was so shocked when I think about the fact of how much push off comes from the legs with pitching, and the fact that it usually takes these guys like a year and a half to get back in basketball. I was shocked when people were saying, yeah, this guy probably can get back into the rotation by July. Like they were talking about him coming back mid season to be a significant contributor in this Braves rotation as especially seeing when he got hurt, he was the team's ace. There was no doubt about that. This is a very good pitcher in Mike Soroka, but he now has a setback in this Achilles injury and will have to have an, another operation 
in the coming days, which will certainly put his return to the rotation this season in jeopardy. Brandon, this isn't what you want to see for a guy who's worked so hard to come back. No, it's not. But I was just thinking in my head, there's so many different pitchers who have been solid or like have been at least like good enough for the Braves this year. I mean, just off the top of my head, you have Ian Anderson, Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Huascar, Yanoa. Uh, you know, there's there's four there. Uh, and then you throw a guy like Mike Soroka in there. I mean, that in a couple of years, that could be a with the top three of Freed, Anderson, Soroka. That's a really scary three to have to face in the playoffs, I think. Yeah, you're right. It long term will be, but again, also you have the fact that this is a team that's ready to compete right now. You've got yeah. Freddie Freeman, who certainly is playing or is coming back towards playing great baseball. His numbers aren't where he'd like anyone would like his to be right now. Acuna at 23 is playing at an MVP level already. Um, this team is looking like they want to compete right this second. Um and need the pitching staff to step up right now. So, of course, we don't really have much more time to talk about it today, but in the next week or so, we should really start thinking about, just like the Braves will have to start thinking about, what other options can they bring into this pitching staff to put them over the top? Because, of course, you, you, know, you already know this entire pitching staff was assembled this year on the expectation that Mike Soroka would be back mid-year and Mike Soroka would be able to be a contributor for the final push towards the playoffs in a very competitive division. Yeah, and this is also a team that has a guy who I forgot about in Tuki Toussaint, who's another young pitcher for them. Let's not forget about Drew Smiley, who they signed this offseason. So they have an influx of starting pitchers that can be very solid for them. It's just finding that right group. Uh, of course, Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley both on one-year deals, I want to say. But yes. um, Well, you, you, you also need them to, some of them to go from solid to good. Yeah. Well, at, at minimum. Enoa has been good this year. He's yes, I will, I will be, I'm willing to say right now, Oscar Enoa has been more than good. He's been at, at minimum very good, if not great, especially with his bat so far this year. Has been fantastic. Um, Ian, Ian Anderson has also been very good this year. 3-4-6 ERA through seven starts, uh, 43 start strikeouts and 39 innings. I can't complain. Again, it's not biased here of me saying I can't really complain with what he's doing out there either. But it's obvious between the bullpen and the rotation that they're going to need a little bit more if they're going to make things interesting, especially with, with how good Bryce Harper is playing with how good the Phillies are playing. That, that team is something is a team that everyone slept on going into this year. Even me, I backed off. I, I was farther. I was one of the more on the Phillies people out there. I would like to say, but at the same time, I wasn't as as on them as it seems like I should have been to this point of the year. So that just adds another wrinkle that's not in favor of the Braves 
succeeding this year. And they need to figure it out now while they have all of these guys in the position they want them to, because the clock's ticking for Freddie Freeman. I hate to say it, but they need to capitalize on his playing now or never. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, let's not forget about the Mets who have won uh, eight in a row now, but uh, they're five games above 500. But, uh, LJ, would you say that that, is, that this is a good place to uh, wrap things up for the day? Yes. All right. Well, once again, thank you for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. Make sure you're checking us out on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Make sure you're checking out LJ and I on Twitter at LJ underscore BP underscore Lafiora. I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. Check out the the Belly Up Sports Twitters. They're at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast. That's going to do it for this one. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.